are you? I'm so happy to be here again talking with, with my friend Bradley and this amazing opportunity to have a Reina Marelli from FIFA. Um, as you know, I'm a former player from Costa Rica. I have a background in physical education and now I'm finished my master's degree in business. Um, and this opportunity to talk in this episode, um, it's gonna be amazing because we're gonna start going inside the game that it's our purpose. So Bradley, how are you? I'm good. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I've moved locations to Mazatlan for uh, internship um, with Mazatlan FC. Um, and I'm really excited to, to talk about uh, uh, football today. And well, I'm going to present uh, our amazing guest, Reina Marelli Flores. She's a FIFA Women's Tournament Manager, and she's working in FIFA, and right now she's in Zurich, right? Yeah. Awesome. And also, she's a Senior Project Manager, Senior Event Manager, Venue Manager, Operation Manager. And the my feelings said, like, you love the game. So how are you? Uh, good night for you. Good, good evening for us. How are you? I'm fine. I'm very pleased to be with you guys and to talk about football here. Thank you very much for the invitation. Awesome. I'm going to start um, with one question that I was thinking. It was like, how you get in love with the game? What is your background? Why uh, you decide to be a professional and, and study and now work in FIFA? What is your your passion? Well, I think that football passion was always there somehow. I don't know where it came from. Uh, in my family, nobody really plays. Nobody is really passionate about sports, but I kind of always liked it since primary school. But my physical education professor didn't let me play football because he said that football was for guys. So I had to wait until high school where there was an organized team in my uh, university, is Tech de Monterrey. So they had a team and then I could start training and playing, but I was already 16 years old. And at the time it was not really possible to leave your studies or continue your studies and play football, for example, in Mexico City or aim for the national team. So I finished my degree in marketing and I also finished a degree in piano performance. So these two careers gave me the combination to work as event manager for organizing chamber music concerts in my city, in Zacatecas, Mexico. And after some time, I wanted to organize football matches or world championships or World Cups instead of cultural events. So then is when I look for a master's on the internet and I found uh, the AASTS master in Lausanne. I look at the contents and the last thing that I look at was the location. So in my, in my dreams was never to come to Switzerland and I never imagined I was going to end up here, but I knew that I wanted to work for FIFA one day and it took some years to get there, but now I'm there and I'm very happy to collaborate in the organization of the World Cups. Rally, how do you feel about that? Like, it's like, it's like thinking like when we start this project, it's like how we can know people and get there. So just listen I, to her. It's like, you can do whatever you want. I, I think I think we're all kind of on the same path just because, I mean, 
like I've I've liked football for the longest time and I obviously didn't come through the same uh the the normal way of getting into the sport um I mean through engineering uh through my university and then working in that side and then saying oh I I'd, I'd really like to help the industry somehow and making it my goal to to do that and so this is kind of how it's come along so yeah so at the end we connect in different ways uh but at the end soccer it's always well football is always the the central of this conversation right i want to start now uh, talking about the game and the organization that i think it's very important to know uh people think or people just see or watch the game right when when the world cup is already doing but they don't know the organization the years that they have to do um and how these projects change not just the game or the teams that they are playing it's also they change political things social things um fifa also give some money to improve um, the 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 places that you're gonna the, the places that you're gonna play there so maybe we can talk about that organization that people don't see that i think it's at the end it's more than half the just the game Yeah, exactly. As you said, there is a lot behind the scenes and what the spectators see is only the final result of many years, many meetings, many agreements, disagreements, discussions. And yeah, when the country is appointed, we need to go and see the stadiums several times before the tournament happens. Normally it's twice a year, depending on the tournament. And then we follow up with all the areas that are involved, such as security, marketing, infrastructure, um, media, TV, venue management. So we follow up with all these uh, areas. And also we have our counterparts in the city that organizes or the country that organizes the tournament together with us. And infrastructure, yes, uh, there is a program called FIFA Forward. So the federations can, um, have money to build uh, new stadiums or new pitches or improve their lighting. And this has happened also in previous tournaments for youth. For example, under 17 women, there was um, a program from Colmebol and FIFA to get the Floyd lights for the stadium of one of the, uh, one of the stadiums of the, of the tournament. And like that, every country has different needs. So depending on that, they ask for the money and they do the application, do the process, and then they uh, the, the money is released and they can build what, what they want. So it's a lot of coordination as well, because sometimes maybe security wants to do one thing, but that also affects marketing or affects venue management. So our role is more to coordinate and to make sure that all are aligned. So everything goes in the same stream and it can be organized properly. How do you see putting, I mean, the, the World Cup being in Costa Rica, how do you see it impacting the, the country and even putting it, I mean, being in South, uh, Central America um, and uh, having that kind of impact at a younger age? How do you see that impacting uh, um, 
women's football in the in the region i think that in general competition drives development so if this competition is in costa rica obviously the host country i assume will be uh, investing in the team preparing the team as much as possible also with this team they can make uh, women's football more popular in the country and maybe raise the interest of the girls so it it can only help and it's always a tool for the development of the sport yeah and well we had the opportunity to be the host for well this is going to be the second time that we're going to have a, an amazing um, opportunity to have a world cup for us uh, it's it's women's and we understand that maybe boys the 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 boys world cup have a little bit more organization and all this stuff but for costa rica that is uh starting with boys and the girls with professionals football um this is an amazing opportunity one of the things that uh we talked in our first podcast it was with diego Brenes. it was about how fifa helped or put some money to get better the infrastructure the, the infrastructure infra that word infrastructure is, thank you <laughs> you have to remember that spanish is my, my language uh, <laughs> thank you bradley um But at the end, uh, the organization for the World Cup uh, go back, FIFA go back, and then it's the, the public organizations or private organizations, and they don't take care of that stadiums. And that is not happening just in Costa Rica. You can see that in, in Brazil with the, with the Olympic Games and around the world, a lot of that things. How you think we can help these organizations to, to get better in that, in that path. Because you think a good stadium opened the doors for women and boys to get better opportunities for the future, right? But um, the people see that it's just a stadium. So I know that FIFA and the organization can do anything for that, but maybe uh, we can work in different uh, things to get better in that aspect. I don't know if FIFA is working on that or, or something like that. I don't know if I say something good <laughs> to understand me or I, I lose my words. Um, yeah. I mean, every country is responsible for their the usage of these spaces. So I would say that in the ideal world, in any country, it would be a combination of the governmental support to develop programs. And in this case, football is the sport in our table now. So development programs for football and maybe organizing tournaments and trying to grow the sport in the country. And eventually these spaces would be more used I mean, that's in general what I would think that could be done in general in, in the world, you know, in the ideal world. Yeah, and I just I'm just like thinking because now that I am in the organization for the World Cup from Costa Rica, it's interesting like how now they are using all, only two stadiums and it's not in this World Cup. They are doing also in different countries. Um, So I think the money is going to go for two places 
and maybe you can save that places for the future, right? It, this is something that uh, it's for a reason or it just for organization that it's very no, I mean, interesting. I think in general, if you have less uh, spaces to play and you are in one city, everything is more handy. And you can also keep uh, in these COVID times, you can also keep a bit more of control of what's going on. So in this case, these two stadiums were chosen because of the availability and also because of the infrastructure that they count on. So we looked at them as the best options to, to host the tournament there. How have you seen, uh, you, you've, you've talked about uh, COVID impacting the, the having, having the two stadiums kind of helps out with COVID restrictions or, or control. How, how have you seen COVID impact the, the organization of the upcoming World Cup for uh, within Costa Rica? I mean, I can talk about the past. I, I cannot foresee what's going to, how we are going to be in August next year. Nobody knows. Even tomorrow, you don't know. The, the world changes in one day. But I've been working in the Beach Soccer World Cup in August in Russia and the Futsal World Cup in Lithuania in September. And it's really another world. I mean, there is a lot of testing for all the teams, for the staff, also some regulations who can access uh, or not the area where the players are. Uh, also the policies at the hotels are different depending on the country. So COVID is now a big, is playing a big role on the organization of the competitions. And yeah, I mean, it's now all over the world. So when the time comes, we will need to define what would be the impact and how the situation will be uh, months before the tournament. And then we will evaluate and we'll see what can be implemented also according to the laws of the country. Sometimes if the rules of the country are are relaxing our perspective, we might implement harder measures for the participants, but it will depend on how things are going. Also, people are getting vaccinated. So yeah, let's see. I mean, nobody really knows what's going to happen. I think it's very interesting uh, because every organization around the world have to change immediately, right? And I think FIFA, was one of the big organizations that say like, if we don't change, we cannot do the World Cup, right? And so it was very, very interesting how FIFA moved to be, to be in the game, right? Because if, if you don't change, you cannot do the tournament. So we, we really know that one of the biggest, um, um, how can I say that? People win if you have people in your stadium, right? For, for, for the country. So how you can change that? So that is very interesting that also you say the world, if you change, you can do it. So it's another lesson that soccer or football um, say it for the people. So do you think that this experience that you had uh, with these tournaments uh, the 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 game change a little bit not not when when they play right the feelings the emotion the that the thing that when you play you you almost cry when you're a player right because you feel the people and all the stuff do you think that that changed a little bit or it's the same I mean I'm talking everything from my personal perspective uh, I'm not a player I didn't play 
uh, in this tournament. So I cannot tell you well how the players feel or what they think. I don't know. But I think that is good that we managed to have a public in the stadium because that really changes the perception. Like if you have no public. So I think for the players it's good if they can have even 50% of the venue allow it to be there. I think it's good. I mean, it's always it's nicer to play with public than without any public. So that's what I can say on that. I think just from a growing of the game um, side, even even on a domestic level, uh, definitely here in Mexico, you see it a lot. Um, you see a lot more people just starting. I mean, now that uh, restrictions are starting to loosen up a little bit more here, um, allowing people into the stadiums. It's definitely changed the atmosphere, especially on the, the women's game, uh, because when uh, uh, I was watching Tigres and Monterrey play mm. uh, uh, the other week, um, and just the amount of fans that were there, and it really changed the atmosphere uh, compared to if it was played uh, a year ago. Um, and it was it was really something to watch. Yeah. I, I really want to, like you say, from your perspective, and I like that because every, every person have different perspective and every uh, position have different perspective, right? Um, you like a girl, right? Uh, that it, you were a, um, a, well, a tournament manager. Uh, how do you feel like the women's football, it's growing so fast, right? That I know that in my perspective, I can say like, have your position have to be like very, very gratificante. How do you say that? Like very- like rewarding. Exactly, because, because it's, it's the moment to work in women's football, right? So it's not the same, be the, the manager of the World Cup that passed 10 years ago, I'm the manager for the next one that's gonna be in New Zealand. It's it's very different because it's a big, a big emotional. So how do you feel about it? Yeah, like for now I'm working on the under 20 women's World Cup in Costa Rica. Uh, and I think that the women's World Cup in France of 2019, in which I was working since the beginning, and I saw the whole planning and um, implementation process. It was a big milestone because I think it helped a lot for promotion of, of the sport and also not only the women uh, playing football, but also the women working in football and also the women working in sports. So I think that we need to, to take advantage of this boom and this interest that is coming more and more. And I think that it would be still uh, raising the, the interest of people and people will be watching, people will be attending the stadiums when they can. So I think that it can only, only help and we need to keep organizing this tournament so also the sport grows in different parts of the world. And then when you say at the beginning, I'm sorry, Riley, but it's just like, I want to connect this. When you say at the beginning, like you really wanted to play soccer and soccer wasn't for all the girls, but now soccer is for the girls. So I think it's, it's so, I'm a teacher and I never imagined say, no, you cannot play football because that is for boys, but that things happen. So yeah. I think be in your position 
when someone in your past say like you cannot play football and now be in your position i think it's amazing i'm sorry brother <laughs> you know thank you yeah yeah <laughs> i mean how have you seen like the 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 boom in in women's football within whether it be CONCACAF or around the world um after that after the 2019 world cup because the amount of people that showed up throughout the tournament was just amazing and the and the coverage was fantastic yeah i think that also the time zone helped because you were in it was in europe so in principle all europe was tuned and then it was also good some timings for the u.s matches and then asia with japan so i think that everyone is trying to to raise a bar and also because the uh, time the kick of time of the matches was also a, a key factor on the statistics as well you can see that the age groups that are interested in women's football it includes men women in the world cup in france the the general public was also a lot of families so i think that that is also important that you don't have necessarily in other uh, in men's football for example so it was a lot of families attending and the the percentage of uh, men and women were quite uh, good for the promotion of the sport because it's not only women watching women's football but also guys are watching it and now with the growth of some leagues some new leagues as well coming up and with the new format of the women champions league as well centralizing it from early stages not only from quarterfinals that is also helping to to have more attention and to raise the level of the teams and i think one of the rules i don't know if it's like a mandatory rule but i think but i think yes but maybe you can uh help me with this uh when fifa decide that every boys team have to have a women's football process um so when that things happen here for example in costa rica have to improve football because at the end Saprisa didn't have um, women's but now they have and then in that moment the boys were in the bad position but the girls were amazing so they say like oh but i'm still winning right so that connection i think it was very good and uh, they have to right so now you can see the second division here in costa rica have 36 teams when always was 10 teams. Uh, so it's more competitive. And then also, as you said, like see all these um, countries invest as well, like Costa Rica, but in different way, because they have a little bit more money for that. They, they discover that also a stadium can be full for, for women's. Right. And maybe my father said, like, I don't want to go more to the stadium because it's always fights and all this stuff. But she but he discovered that go and see the women's football is more healthy uh, and more family, like as you said. And, and at the end, you see an amazing game because the statistics, it's amazing. So I think um, that was an amazing decision you have to have girls but i don't know if it's mandatory i don't know if you help me with that 
It's part of the, in some countries, it's part of the licensing. So in order for the men's team to play on the league, they one of the boxes that they need to tick is to have a women's team. And if they don't have it, they cannot get the license to play in the league. So that's how you can oblige the clubs to have a women's team. Yeah, for me, it's an amazing decision. No matter what, it doesn't have to be professional, but you have to have something. And I think in that moment, when you talk about marketing and you talk about sponsorship, now you put in the paper, we can split the money or whatever. And then uh, I think that step for FIFA helped a lot around the world to say you never have like Real Madrid, they never had it, right? Or they have like a third division and all the stuff. But now they buy a team and they have a first division and now you can see international players there. So I think it's very interesting about this. Definitely. So Bradley, to close, last question. And then I'm gonna do my close, man. I'm <laughs> Uh, how have you, I mean, being able to put on a, on a world cup at any level is, is insane. How, how, but I mean, how has it been kind of getting the public, uh, kind of into it? I mean, besides like it, saying someone that has never watched women's football before might have the same, uh, thoughts that like, oh, it's not, it's not like as fun to watch or something like that um but like when you actually go there it's like a great atmosphere and amazing to amazing play on the field but how when 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 you're organizing that what what kind of uh steps do you take to to kind of get the public into it and have them actually go go see a game and well, convert is, them into uh... the game Mm -hmm. This is more the task of the host country. So because they are there, they know the market and it's mainly in their shoulders to get people into the stadiums, so obviously with our help on some advices with the standards that we have, but the task is mostly with them. I mean, what we can do as an organization is to keep promoting it and to keep um, the level up to keep supporting as well when federations request the money for their programs. But in terms of promotion of the tournament, this is really something that goes into the host country and with our help, but it's mostly them who do the job on the field to, to make it uh, attractive and to make people go to the stadium. I mean, we from Zurich, we cannot do much to get Costa Rica and people to go to the stadium, but we can always help with strategies. There is a department who does that. So it's, mostly the task of the organizers to, to make it happen. And for example, I even have friends that say, I don't like women's football. And I, I asked them, did you ever watch a match? No, I have never watched it. So how can you say that you don't like it if you have never watched it? And now the level is very high and it's so enjoyable to watch it that the level of the World Cup, even some continental tournaments, even the under 20 semifinals are the most exciting games I've ever seen. So it's just a matter of uh, people to get to know it and maybe get some uh, help from the broadcast of the country to watch, uh, to show some games and maybe people start understanding and they start uh, looking at it and then they start liking it as well. 
and I think it's like under 20 in boys and girls, it's already, you already have some professional players, right? So exactly. it's, it's an amazing, I, I never gonna forget when I played the under 20 World Cup in Germany, 2010. And I never gonna forget because we opened the the, the World Cup and at that moment we, we were, we're not a professional players, right? But we played versus Germany and we already played with this professional girls that we say like, wow, okay, we are talking now. <laughs> so now I'm very excited because uh, now I'm gonna be in a different position, yeah, like an admin. And now I'm gonna see that process and now I'm gonna be more professional to understand the 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 huge tournament that Costa Rica is gonna have. So we we always close. Uh, I always love to close all my things uh, to talk a, a little bit. Like you can say something little about this conversation, for example. And for this conversation, what do you? What are your feelings in a positive way, right? That have this conversation or if you learn something or if you like something that we said or something, or do we have connection? And, and so the people who listen to us can do this same exercise about, it's not just a conversation, it's also to learn something new. So who wants to start? Well, I think that it's a great feeling because that's what I take because there is interest in women's football. There is also knowledge of you, what you have lived, what you have studied, guys. So I think this is the best part that I get, that there is interest. There is also the will to promote it and as well to grow it. And the questions about how to grow it, how the promotion needs to go now that we have the tournament in Costa Rica. So this is what I take from, from this conversation. Awesome. I think it's just amazing to hear like the amount of work that goes into putting on a World Cup, especially uh, in in the CONCACAF region, because it, it definitely has a massive impact uh, for any, anyone uh, living in this area. Um, and it's just amazing to hear um, how 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 FIFA goes about putting on a World Cup. And for me, uh, one of the things that I'm very motivated, it's about uh, Reina said, or Mareli said, like um, she never imagined to work in football, but when she decided to work in football, she said like, my dream is to go to FIFA. When, we don't know. And I think it's one of the things that I really, really have in my heart and in my head. I don't know what I have to do, but I'm gonna do it to do a change for the women's football and be prepared when this opportunity is gonna, it's gonna appear. Um, so just to have a person who think or thought the same that as me, uh, give me more energy to, to keep fighting, right? And keep learning that I think it's very important. And it's, as always I said, football is like life football give you everything you lose you you cry you smile you have to work you have to organization and all the stuff and that is life so i think uh when we finish always this conversation 
I always feel very uh, with a lot of energy. I have to take my time and all the stuff. So uh, thank you so much. Thank it you. was amazing. Um, we're gonna do a, a little video when you are here in Costa Rica and post it in in our in our pages. So remember, we are Tika and Ringo talking about football. You can follow us in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and as well in Instagram. And you can share our content. And we have more interviews for the few weeks. So keep listening to us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.